Taking years to write a book is so last century. Hi, I'm Liesl Hill. I help aspiring authors move toward their dreams of career authordom by mastering their story, mastering their words, and mastering their marketing. If you're ready to put your head down and do the work necessary to eventually live off your fiction royalties, then tune in each week. I'll give you actionable tips and hacks, as well as inspiring interviews with writers who are already doing this. We are prolific authors. Hello, prolific authors. How are you doing today? Uh, I hope everyone is doing well and having a good week of writing. I have a really fun interview for you today with Wendy Beasley. She is an author who didn't really kick off her fiction writing career until she was in her 70s. Um, she's super fun to talk to, just really spunky, and um, you can tell she has a lot of joy in her writing. So it's a really, really great interview, and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Uh, before we get to that, let's just do a little bit of a personal update. I have to apologize because I haven't been getting these interviews out. I'm actually really behind on the interview portion of the podcast. I've just had a lot on my plate lately and I just haven't had the time to put them together. So I'm trying to get back into that and uh, be a little more consistent with that. I did finish. I was working on Intercron, trying to get the last three books of Intercron out. I got the fourth book out. And with that, oh man, it was it was a little bit of a fiasco. I really thought I gave myself enough time, I thought. <laughs> um, it really wasn't a matter of procrastination or anything like that, but it just ended up needing a lot more work than I realized. Once I started going through it, I was like, oh man, there's like all this stuff I have to write. And I thought I was done with the writing part of it and just had to do some light editing. And it was so much more than that. And I had had it up on pre-order, so... I was basically working night and day for like three weeks to get it done. And I'm happy to say that I did get it done. I didn't have to cancel the pre-order or anything, but I just barely, like under the wire, got it done. So I'm going to definitely give myself a little more room with the next two books, although I do still plan on getting them out basically in the next 60 days or so. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. And it was uh, it was hard work, but I did it. And that <laughs> is part of the reason that I haven't really uh, gotten the podcast out as uh, frequently as I should. Beyond that, I do not even remember if I said on the podcast that we did hit the USA Today bestseller list with our Dead Silent box set, which was great. <laughs> like I said, because I haven't put out a podcast in a while, I'm not sure if I actually have said that, but we did. We came in at number 68, I think. And um, what was really fun is our name, our byline of our box set was right next to James Patterson. So that was super fun. Those kinds of things are always fun to uh, to see in your career. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of hard work. It was about a year in the making and uh, all of the authors had to pull together to do it. So anything's possible, but it you know doesn't come lightly. It is a lot of work, but I'm very grateful for that. And now at least one of my pen names, I can say I am a USA Today bestselling author, which is fun. Um, I think that's about all the update I have for now. A little bit of housekeeping. Remember to grab both the freebies that I have for you. They will be in the show notes, both the Ultimate Villainy Checklist, which tells you different traits and functions that your villain should have in order to be an awesome villain in your story and also the nine essential plot points to get your external plot of your story kind of planned out. Make sure that you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on so that you don't miss any episodes and if you are a Facebook person, come join us in the Prolific Author Facebook group. Oh, I, I actually, I do have one more announcement. I keep talking about my course and that I'm going to launch it. Again, because I've had a lot on my plate, I keep having to push it back. And then I did actually run into some technical issues and I'm actually moving over to another platform right now. So I was actually originally going to beta launch it this week, but it just didn't come together quite fast enough. So I'm going to be beta launching it in the next month. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to be doing a public launch. What I mean by beta launch is that I'm not going to be like, 
running ads to a webinar or anything like that. I'm just launching it to my existing audience and possibly um, some of my fellow authors, maybe to their audiences as well. Like Anyway, so if you are at all interested in getting in on the beta launch, what that means is that I'm going to sell the course for half price in order to get some feedback from the people who are willing to take it from me when it hasn't been tested by a very big audience yet and give me some feedback. So if you are interested in that, I would highly recommend you join the Prolific Author Group because that's the main place I'm going to be launching it in, okay? All right, so I think that's everything. Without further ado, let's hop into the interview with Wendy. Um, so we are here with Wendy Beasley, who is an author. How are you doing today, Wendy? I'm fine, thank you. Nice to speak to you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for coming on today. Um, why don't we start by just tell us who you are and, and what you do and what you write. Right. Well, um, I'm new to publishing. I've written all my life. Um, I did write a couple of dog books back in 1999. And okay. for the last 20-odd years, I've written a column in a, a dog magazine called Dog World. And so I've had many years writing fact. But this is a fiction, is a completely new venture. <laughs> although, although the book that's my first book for publishing, uh, Charlotte and the Fairies, was actually written 20 years ago. Oh, um, yeah? It was written for my granddaughter. And I wrote it because she'd moved and was frightened of the new house and didn't like the new garden. And I wrote her a fairy story and put it away when she, once she was happy and resurrected it this year and <laughs> sent it off to a publisher and it was accepted so that's wow. my journey <laughs> and it came out in june my granddaughter's now 23 and at university so <laughs> <laughs> that's so but, fun that you wrote it for her and then you ended up yeah, getting it published but since then um I've written a sequel, Charlotte the Fairy and the Monsters, which should be due out later on or beginning of next year. But I've also ventured into women's fiction and I've written a book called uh, Beasts and Butterflies and that's due for release this month. Wow. Um, and another one I'm writing at the moment under the working title of Angel, that's another women's fiction. And I've also written another children's book for slightly older children called The Sheepdog Who Didn't Like Sheep. So <laughs> I just seem to have kept writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds like you're being pretty prolific right now. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any other job besides writing or is this what you're doing full time? Actually, um, <clears throat> I retired uh, oh, 10 years ago from my everyday office work. Um, I work for my husband who has his own business insofar as I do his accounts and his deliveries and so on and so forth. But officially, I'm retired. Okay. Um, I'm busier than I've ever been. But <laughs> <laughs> Funny how writing does that to you, huh? <laughs> yes, yeah. And uh, I'm very much, I can't believe how much I'm enjoying fiction. It's the most exciting thing I think I've ever done in the way of writing. I've mm -hmm. been nailed down for years and years on fact and accuracy and and now I can make my characters do whatever I want them to do and it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah for sure so so what aspect of it do you enjoy the most when you're do you like crafting the story or the characters or what, what do you look forward to the most? Well I think uh, I'm, I'm not in, not in common with a lot of other authors when I start my story, I don't have a beginning, a middle and an end worked out. 
I usually okay. have a very strong beginning and I then let the story tell me what comes next. It's, it's a weird way of doing it and it's almost like reading the story because it comes into my head naturally as I'm going along. And although I might have an outline or a skeleton of what's going to happen, the details aren't there and the, the final isn't there and I let it develop naturally as it develops and that's what I find the most exciting thing about writing in that it's it's like reading even I don't know what's going to happen till it happens <laughs> <laughs> so it's you know I hope it'll feel like that to my readers when they read it and yeah that's how I write I I, I just love to see what develops as we go along sure sure and so do you have like a pretty strong sense of who your characters are before you start and so you can kind of they make their own decisions and, and push through the story? I make my characters as they appear. So I, I bring a character in and, and then I sort of research them in my head and think what type of person are they, you know, how do they react to certain situations? Uh, I'm less involved in what they look like. I don't do great long descriptions about hair and eyes and everything else, uh, but I do, try and give them character um, mm -hmm. and try and give them personality um, and as I say I do that with each individual character as they arrive in my head uh, they develop in my head. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I really like that phrase the researcher <laughs> character in your head that's like a cool yes. way to put it. <laughs> and uh, they develop then on the computer as they enter my head as I say it's um it's a real journey of discovery writing. It, it's, you can make anything happen, but it has to be believable. I do do a lot of research insofar as places and situations, but, I, but everything else I just sort of let arrive and mull it over. I have dogs and I work, walk and work dogs, and I spend a lot of time thinking when I'm walking. And... Mm. I, yeah. And suddenly I think, I know, or yes, and, <laughs> and yeah. I bring it back with me. <laughs> yeah, that's actually the first way that I really got into the, like a daily writing habit was to go on a walk and really kind of hash out my story in my head. And then I'd go home and write that chapter. I'd just figured out, you know, so yeah, walking definitely helps well, get the creative worked. juices going. <laughs> it's worked for you, so <laughs> it's good for me. <laughs> yeah. So you've, you've taken care of dogs and, and done a lot of things with dogs and, you know, heaven knows anyone who has a dog knows they have their own personality. Do you think that influences your characters at all? Well, certainly in my children's books, there's quite a bit of, but there's not a children's book yet so far without a dog in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> and my dogs are Border Collies. I've had them for 50 years and bred and worked them for 50 years and I know wow. the breed inside out. And so... Right. All of my children's books, somewhere you'll find a border collie. And, and, <laughs> and there's even one in the first adult uh, women's fiction, there's a border collie called Fern. So they do <laughs> tend to creep into my stories. <laughs> yeah, probably going to end up being your signature, right? <laughs> you'll have one in every story. At least I don't have to research them. I do know what they're like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. should always draw to your strengths, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good, good. And um, so let's talk about your women, your women's fiction for just a minute. Is it is it romance or is it geared toward some other area of women's fiction? 
it's a bit dark. Um, it's uh, the first one, Beasts and Butterflies, which, as I say, should be out this month. Uh -huh. Begins with a uh, a rape scene, um, oh, wow. and it goes on, and there is a murder in it. Um, but there's a romance as well, so it's it's visiting all emotions really, um, and it's uh, well, I think it's quite dark, but it it does tell a very deep story uh, with right. a very uh, good ending, I think. So yes, yeah. <laughs> Um, the the one I'm writing now again is begins with tragedy and works its way through fear and um, intimidation and again well we'll see how it ends up when I finish it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I, I I kind of wonder if maybe because you have the really lighthearted children stuff, if you kind of need something that's deeper and darker to to kind of balance out you know the different sides of your writing. Well, they can't be any further apart. <laughs> I've got fairies in the first one and, and murderers in the others. <laughs> no, actually, though, I, I do that, too. I mean, I don't write exactly those genres, but I write crime fiction and I write historical fiction. And I also write sci-fi and fantasy. So, yeah, I can have the yes. fantastical elements here and then like the more like gritty reality crime stuff over here. And I, I love all of them equally. So. <laughs> It's very good. It's very good for you and you know for me to to be able to leave something behind and go off on an, another genre just to refresh your mind. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it comes from really eclectic personalities. I'm someone who writes with 37 different colors of pens. You know what I mean? I've always kind of had that <laughs> facet of my personality, so it's really not yeah. shocking to anyone who knows me that I write in multiple genres. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm sure not. But it's definitely been <laughs> successful for you. I, I struggle because I I wrote the women's fiction, the first one, Beasts and Butterflies, and I'd not had anything published at that point, and I sent it off to numerous publishers. But it's a vicious circle because publishers want you to have a literary agent, and literary agents want you to have been published, and it's just a horrible yeah. scenario. So eventually... I did approach Pegasus and they offered me a shared contract, which I didn't want because I think it's vanity publishing and I don't like the idea. Mm -hmm. And so I turned it down and it was Pegasus that I sent Charlotte and the fairies to. And they immediately accepted it on a traditional contract. And I wow. thought, I'm in, you know. And, um, and so I thought this was the beginning. But unfortunately, they still wanted to do a shared contract for Beasts and Butterflies, which I've done, which I don't really enjoy. But I, I wanted to get it out there, so right. I went down that route. They've accepted the sequel to Charlotte and the Fairies, which is Charlotte, the Fairies and the Monster, um, <laughs> subject to the sales of the first book, which I don't yet know. Right. And the sheepdog that uh, didn't like sheep, haven't got a publish for yet, you know, so it's, it's not easy. I haven't got what writers called my publisher. I, I haven't got a literary agent and goodness knows I've tried. Yeah. <laughs> and, They're hard to get these days. Yeah. yeah. They really are. It feels like you're filling in a job application for a job you're never going to get. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not, although I'm, a, I'm an author, I'm published. I've had very good reviews on the things I've written, but I'm still struggling, you know, I'm yeah. still looking for a publisher or, or a literary agent or somebody 
and everyone says get on Instagram but I'm afraid it's a mind I don't even understand Instagram <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my seventh decade Instagram hasn't wasn't around when I was <laughs> so yeah I so would you ever consider um, self-publishing any of them? Because so far oh, you've got all the tradition, traditional, I right? That, I find that quite scary. Um, mm -hmm. You know, again, it's just, it's such a difficult thing to do. I, I'm full of admiration for people who do. But yeah. I came up in a generation where you wrote something, somebody accepted it and published it for you. And right, it right. was very new. Um, and the trouble with self-publishing there's some brilliant, brilliant self-published authors out there, but there is also a, a, a lot of people who perhaps should have been told not to publish. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I'm frightened that I don't want to be in that group. You know, I, I, like, I like the endorsement of a publisher saying, yes, it's good enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the reason, I think the reason there's so many people self-publishing today is because, like you said, it is hard to to get the publishers and there's such a small percentage that they will yeah. actually accept, you know, mm. so that's definitely true. Nice to get your own full royalties, I'm sure, because yeah. the, the percentage when someone else publishes you is really very small. <laughs> <laughs> well, but at least, you know, you did it. You got the book out there and absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it's a really fun story that you can share with your family and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit about your title. I, I really love that title, Beasts and Butterflies. What, is it, what does it mean? Well, the beast refers to the rapist, really, uh, uh, who also is a, a suspected murderer. So we've, there's your beast. Uh -huh. the, butter, the butterflies is likened to the main character who is like and is likened to a butterfly in a jar who's beating their wings to get out and be free and, and can't and until somebody actually opens the jar. And mm. she, is, she is represented by the butterfly. Okay, yeah, that's, that's really lovely. I think that sounds like a really interesting psychological type story. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I hope when it comes out in November, well, we're in November and I haven't yet got the release date, but it is this month. Um, they've done me a cover, which I absolutely love. I, they, they asked me if I'd got some ideas for my cover and I gave them some ideas and they didn't take any of my ideas. They did something <laughs> quite different. And I like it so much. It's so much better than my ideas. I'm no illustrator. <laughs> so, so I'm thrilled with the cover and I put a little note on Facebook saying coming soon and you know trying to drum up some interest but what would really please me is if it sells really well and they see that I am worth publishing maybe <laughs> they'll look at my next book a bit more favorably <laughs> yeah yeah for sure for sure I'm sure it will um yeah that's that's super fun though you've, you've done what what most people will never do you know by finishing your book so what is what is the writing process like for you um is this, this isn't a picture book, right? This is, is this like a, a YA or a, a middle grade? How, how long is it? The, the fairy books. Oh, Charlotte and Fairies is only a, a, a ch children's three to a, seven, really. A it's, children's book, okay. Yes, um, it's uh, loads of illustrations and pictures. In fact, I can show you a little idea if you can see that, can you? Yeah, uh, hold it up just a little bit more so that people can, there we go, yeah. Yes, yeah, that so, looks like fun. It's, it's a beautifully illustrated book. It's 
really for reading to children or for a first reader for the slightly older children. Right. Um, and Charlotte, the fairies and the monster will be of the same genre for the same age group. Um, okay. Whereas if I get the sheepdog who didn't like the sheep published, I'm aiming more for the eight to twelves with that. And that is more of a reading book um, okay. for the eight to twelves. So um, I have another thought and I haven't got to it yet of Charlotte, the fairies and the witch. So that <laughs> may come yet. <laughs> and so, yes, I'm, I, I've got uh, lots in that sort of age range to women's fiction. And I noticed that on the back of Beasts and Butterflies, it says women's fiction, romance, thriller, erotica. And I thought, wow, can it be <laughs> all that? how they've classed it. So. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, if it's got elements of all of them, you know, why not put it on the cover? <laughs> so how long does it take you to, to get your books written? What does your writing process look like? I'm, I'm now, since I've retired, I'm quite, um, quite sort of dedicated. I, I tend to go and write every day, weekdays. Weekends I give to the dogs and my husband, but weekdays I do go up and uh, up into the office and I write mostly for two or three, four hours a day. Not, not full days, but a good two to three hours or, or maybe a bit more. Um, and then I revise some days. Some days I go back and start reading the book again because I do think, for me anyway, maybe it's because I'm getting older, but you do have to refresh yourself on your plot when you get quite well into it in case you've forgotten something you said in the first place so mm -hmm. I do tend to go back and and revise and alter as I go along um and uh I started Angel probably about a month ago I'm probably a third of the way through the book so you know I'm I'm going at quite a reasonable speed I think yeah yeah so it sounds like like within 90 days, you think you can you get most of your books written? Yes, I would think so. I mean, the um, Beasts and Butterflies took much, much longer, but I was working full time. And right. it was very much a part time thing. But now I think that, you know, 90 days would really give me an adult, an adult novel. Um, yeah. The little ones, obviously, much less time. And, <laughs> and I, tend, I tend to think I write the little ones quicker because the plots aren't quite so deep and I don't have <laughs> quite so much thought. <laughs> right. And how did you, you didn't illustrate them yourself? No, I'm, that's another thing that is, is difficult. Um, I had a fantastic illustrator. She, uh, she was a new lady. She'd not done a book before and she lived reasonably local. And she had the ability to read what was in my mind. I could tell her something and she would draw it and I'd think, well, that's it. And so we had a very, very good working relationship. Unfortunately, she does have la rather a big idea of how many thousands of pounds we're going to make with this book, which we <laughs> clearly aren't. And she has now priced me out, I think. Um, uh -oh. you know, she, she wants more than I am able to provide. So I've spent time looking at other illustrators. Uh, it's difficult because one book follows on from the last and the, the little girl has to be the same little girl. But right. I've been lucky enough to find another illustrator now who I'm, I'm thinking is going to be just right. So fingers yeah. crossed, 
we might be able to have a good working relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so. I so can't I mean, matchsticks may not be on me. I have no ability to draw whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way. I always say that even my stick figures aren't really recognizable. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep, I'm with you on that. <laughs> so um, it sounds like you're planning to keep writing then and, and just keep putting out books. Well, I do hope so. I would love to just carry on writing. It. it if nothing else, it keeps your mind active. It keeps it, well, it wards off dementia, I think. It, it gives you some purpose, especially when you've retired and people take to sort of watching daytime television and, and knitting. It's not me. I need, <laughs> I need some mental stimulation. So as long yep. as I can, I will. Yeah, that's great. That's, yeah, I really love that. I think, um, you know, that you've, Kind of found your passion when uh, you'd rather be doing that than anything else right even in retirement yes, yes indeed <laughs> and you didn't take this up until retirement so what would you say to people who you know might be in their who knows 30s or 40s or 50s and say they're too old to start writing well that's ridiculous i mean as i say, i did have the benefit that I, even when i was working full-time i did write and was published articles and things for dog magazines so i'd got into the discipline of writing um mm -hmm. but i don't think it's ever too late i i think people might think i'm some mad granny now who's turning out <laughs> erotic books and to be locked <laughs> up but um i'm enjoying it so much and i i can't well i can't really tell you just how much fun it is and if anybody's thinking i i haven't got time or then if you've got time to read you've got time to write yeah <laughs> yeah it's true it's true and I think that's, it's kind of important what you said that, I, I mean, it was just kind of happenstance for you that you, you got this writing discipline when you were younger, but that's probably why it's been so easy for you to fall into fiction writing now, yeah. you know, so, so the biggest thing is that people just need to discipline themselves to do the writing and the rest comes pretty easily after that. What, what do you think about that? Well, uh, it's funny what triggers books because years ago, um, when I was in my twenties, I went on a writing evening class, writing class, and we had to write little pieces for being marked. And I wrote a two page piece called Angel. And it was about a young woman who'd been driven to suicide and how she was dealing with it and how she avoided it. And I gave it to my other granddaughter, Ruby, to read just before she went to university four or five months ago and said, what do you think of this? And she said, you must make a book of it. You cannot leave it there. You, it's a fabulous start and you must make a book. And I thought, well, I've never thought of that. And that's where this current book has come from. Just those two pages that I wrote in my twenties and my wow. granddaughter's insistence. So odd things trigger me to write, but when I've got the trigger, I'm away. I just need that, that little idea and away I go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's some providence in that, you know, like that was probably supposed to happen just for you to write. Um, but yeah, I think, I think a lot of authors are that way too, in that we just need the, the tiniest little bit of validation that somebody's interested in our story and we're just off to the races. You know? <laughs> and probably you're the same. What we can't have yeah. is too much in the way of criticism. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't need people to tell me I'm wonderful, but I, I very quickly would give up if they told me I was rubbish. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think everybody kind of feels that way, for sure. <laughs> so, some of the pitfalls of being an author, right? <laughs> yes. Can't be too sensitive. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I think you just have to learn to take, you know, everything in stride and know that your book's not going to be for everyone. So just write for the people who love it and are with you on the journey, you know? Yes. Yeah. And if you, if you find anybody that's read your book, child or adult, who's really enjoyed it and spent a few minutes or a few hours doing something that they've found pleasure in, what a wonderful thing that is to have done. You know, to yes. have given somebody that much pleasure. So and especially the little kiddies with the fairies. My mum used to read fairy stories to me and I can remember to this day how much pleasure I had from them. And if I yeah. can do that for someone else, that's just amazing. Right, yeah. And that's kind of an interesting angle to talk about because I think most of us remember the books we read when we were kids. And we may not even remember who the authors were and maybe they that was the only book they ever wrote. Like, we don't know, but we remember those books that we read over and over and over yes. again as kids. Absolutely, you know? yes, yes. And, yeah. and they, you know, they do influence you, even as a very young child. They influence the way you see the world and the way and what you believe in, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And, I, and could I, I, believe, I could still believe in fairies without too much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, they definitely influence the imagination. Yeah. And um, I was talking to another author about this just recently um, and just about how, you know, if even like 50 years from now, somebody picks up your book and it helps them in some way, then it was worth writing just for that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I was very lucky that CJ Lopez found me. I, I mean, I can't say how grateful I am to her because otherwise I never would have had this contact with the American market. And I do feel that if I can get, you know, to America as well as the UK and, and spread the book about and say, look at this, then, well, how wonderful is that? What an achievement. Right. So I'm grateful yeah. to CJ for all her hard work on my behalf. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And she's your, um, the one that's helping you do the promotion and everything, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad that you have that help from her so that you can kind of get it out to a wider audience. Yes, I had no idea how to do it, but she certainly <laughs> did. So that was great. Good, good. And uh, what about your husband? Is he supportive about your writing career? Very much so. We, we walk the dogs together and I run the ideas past him and he'll say things like, oh, yes, but what if? Or, and, <laughs> and I just think that's amazing. And he, we walked today and he came up with something in my story and I said, I can use that. So, yes, he's very... <laughs> He's very influential and I don't, uh, you know, I don't uh, not share with him. He all through the book, he knows where this book is going and who's in it. So whether he wants to or not, he hears all about it. <laughs> and he's very, very supportive. Um, Good. And, uh, yes. So I'm very lucky. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's more valuable than most people realize to have a sounding board like that. Um, oh, Yes. You know, writing is such, you, you tend to be very isolated when you're doing the writing. So interacting with other people that you can kind of bounce ideas off, it's just beyond valuable, you know. Yeah, you really do so need someone to run an idea past because it's in your head and you think, but will it work or will it convince or, and somebody else to just listen to it is, as you say, invaluable, really. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been really, really fun to chat with you. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors or anything else you want to say? Well, just do it because whether it's published or not, the actual feeling of putting something out there which you really believe in is wonderful. There's, there's nothing like it. And, and I just think if you, if you feel that you, you want to write, then write. You'll only get better by doing it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, you know, I think people sometimes try to dig too deep for, you know, meaning or reasons, like you said. Um, Jobs. <laughs> sorry, I've got jets flying over my house. Um, <laughs> if you if you have a thought and you feel like you want to write, then you're supposed to go write. Just go do it, you know. <laughs> I think one of the things on my writing course that was most beneficial, although it was back, as I say, over 50 years ago now, um, it was the fact that you could write small pieces without needing to write a book or an essay or anything else. You could put words down and put feelings down without them having to have a place anywhere. And I think that's a very good starting point. If you have a thought and you want to think, you know, expand it, write it and then expand from there. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's true. And there's something about uh, like the actual action, the motion of doing the writing that just kind of opens up your mind creatively and, and more stuff just spills out, you know, but you got to sit down and, and get started first. Yeah, I said to my husband today, he said, do you look out of the window when you're writing? I said, no, but I can tell you every spot on the ceiling. Because <laughs> that's where I drift off to. When I'm <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Oh, well, great. Thank you so much for being here. I really, really enjoyed talking to you and best of luck with all your books. Um, we'll have to get in touch later and, and see how it's going and, and how your sales have gone. And thank you for inviting me on. I've really enjoyed it. Good. Thanks. Me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network, and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.